Happy Mother's Day. So excited for today. Uh, last week we celebrated our graduating seniors and this, this week we're, gra- we're celebrating and honoring our moms. Uh, well, I just want to tell you that we value you. Uh, you're precious to God. You're first responders in the home and I praise God for you. Scripture talks about honoring, giving honor to those whom honor is due in Romans. It also tells us to honor our mothers and our fathers. And so this is a day to honor our mothers and to to lift them up and to let them know how much we value them. One of the things that I want to ask you to do right now, if you're in home uh, and you've been quarantined with your mom uh, or, or with the wife of your children, I want to tell you right now, give them a hug. Give them a hug. Tell them how much you value them. Tell, you that, that, tell them that you love them. You may have already said that this morning. Say it again. Kids, say it to your mom. Uh, husband, say it to your wife. Uh, I want to encourage you to just take this, this time, this day, this moment uh, to honor our moms. Now, obviously, that's something we want to do all year round, not just on Mother's Day. But this is a special day, and we honor you. Uh, as we, uh, as I was preparing this week, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting to for a guy to be preaching on Mother's Day, right? And so, uh, uh, since I'm not a mom, and so I asked my wife, I I, I googled uh, some things to find out what is it that moms really want on Mother's Day, right? Well, here's some of the things that I googled, and some of the things that I heard. Uh, a Manny Petty was right up top of the list. I'm sure that that's uh, 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 something that you're longing for, you've been looking forward to during this whole quarantine. I don't know if those are ready yet to do, but uh, coming soon. Uh, a hotel room, nobody around. I mean, you love your family, but one time alone, want a break, right? Uh, having the house cleaned and it's not you doing it. Uh, taking a break from watching kids, uh, consideration, gratitude were on the list. Having someone else cook for you uh, was high on the list. A massage, being appreciated, loved, helped, uh, thanked, um, pampered, special, feeling valued, uh, being told that you're a great mom, being reminded that everybody, all the moms on Facebook aren't as perfect as they appear on Facebook. And just remembering that and understanding that. Uh, And even as I read that, you think, well, that's a great start. Keep going, right? But uh, I'll I'll let you continue the list. Tell your families, uh, family, ask mom, ask your wife, what is it that you really want because that's one of the things that I began to see that we don't ask enough of. We don't pay attention enough to. Because um, every mom is also someone's child. And that's an important thing to re- remember, an important thing to recall, that you're someone's child, you're precious to someone, that, that, some, that you look up to a mom as well. And so um, as I thought about that, I thought, okay, what's something that Scripture talks about? And, and in fact, I even asked the question, what, what's a good passage for today? And, and all these different passages come to mind, but I want to hear from a, a mom. What's a passage you would like to hear from? And today's passage is a passage that I asked a mom and she wanted to hear. And so it's Psalm 139. I encourage you to turn with me to that passage. And it talks about us being known and loved by God. And I think one of the deepest things that we long for in our hearts is to be known 
and to be loved. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. What does it mean to be known and what does it mean to be loved? Uh, because there's a question in our minds. There's a part of us that wants to be known. There's a part of us that is embarrassed about what people will find. Because we're afraid. And this applies to all of us, not just moms. It's something that we all have to wrestle with. Is this idea that if this question in our hearts, that if people really knew me, if they really knew me, if they knew what's going down uh, on the inside of me, they wouldn't love me. They might even despise me. They might even want to run away. And so there's that nagging thought that I'm not what other people think that I am. And so we wonder if somebody really knew me, would they really love me? It's a self-image struggle. It's an, a struggle that we face and it causes us to struggle with people's compliments and their hugs and they're saying you're special and you're valued and you're feeling inside, I'm not special, I'm not valued. And so you're, this one message is going on inside and you hear this message on the outside and you tend to deflect it and, and, you, and you don't receive it like you could. And so when we look at this passage today, we find out that we have a God who knows us. He knows everything. He knows those things that we're embarrassed about, that we're afraid people will find out. He knows the ugly. He knows the beautiful. And he loves us. And so I want us to look at this passage this morning. And my first point here is, is that God wants to know us. In fact, uh, if you look at the outline uh, or, or the, uh, this outline of, of thinking about this passage, it's God wants to know us. It was the first part of my outline. And I changed it a little bit. God pursues us. God wants to know us. That's my first point. God wants to know us. He pursues us. Look what, how Psalm 139 starts. It says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. And when I read that first phrase, I, I stopped and I went, wait a minute. What do you mean searched me? I thought God knew everything. He doesn't need to search. He doesn't need to evaluate. He doesn't need to, uh, in fact, the word search means to explore and to probe. And he doesn't need to do all those things. He already knows everything about me. Why would he need to search me and probe and explore to understand me? It's not for his sake. It's for our sake. We want to be pursued. We want to be someone to come and, and want to know us. We want people to ask questions for understanding. We want, them, we want them to ask. In fact, I think it's one of the reasons why uh, God tells husbands in 1 Peter 3, live with your wives in an understanding way. It means that we take time to understand. It means that we ask great questions. It means that we want to know. We want to be pursued. We want to be known by God. And God is the hound of heaven. He pursues us. Augustine called him the hound of heaven. Scripture doesn't say that. But he, he, the hound of heaven that just wants to be near us, our dogs, our pets, our animals, we know. They want to be with us. They want to be near us. They don't know anything about social distancing. They, they just want to be right up next to us, curled up beside us, in our laps, licking on us, loving on us. And I think God, the God of the universe, he pursues us. He comes after us. He wants to be near us. He says, you have searched me and known me. 
That word for know is a very intimate type of knowing. It's a, the knowing between a, a husband and a wife. It's this, this knowing that, that's more than just I know a person's name and I know their favorite colors and I know it's, it's this walking through life together knowing. It's, it's experiencing one another. It's walking together. It's, it's living life together. And so this idea that, that we, that God pursues us and then he knows us because he lives life together with us. It's not that he just knows about us from some celestial place up in heaven and he's just kind of looking down at us and going, you know, poor guy, poor gal. No, he's, he's here. He's, we're in his presence even right now in your homes, in here. God is here. He's in all these places. He is here. It's one thing that ties us together being apart is God's presence himself. And he searches us, he pursues us, he knows us. He goes on in the psalm and says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, which is a figure of speech, merism, that, that means the beginning, the end, and everything in between. He, know, he's, he knows all of that. It says, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. You know everything about me. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Now, interestingly, in this psalm, David starts with this statement, you've searched me and known me, and then he ends the psalm with the same statement but different. In verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. He bookends the psalm with the same idea. One saying, God, you already know me. And then he's saying in Psalm 23, after he talks all about the things in the middle of the psalm, God, I want you to keep doing it. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to give up on me. I don't want you to stop doing this. I want you to keep pursuing me. I want you to keep searching me. I want you to keep being close to me. I'm not going to be hidden from you. Because our tendency is to hide. Our tendency is that we're afraid of what God is going to find. We're, in our hearts, there's a little bit of Adam and Eve in us that we want to go hide in the garden. And even in the garden, it wasn't Adam and Eve that were pursuing God. It was God pursuing them. And I think so many times we think that it's our job to pursue God. We think that it's our job to, to find him and, and to be close to him. And, and that that's a, that's a task that we have to do. But what we don't realize is, no, it's God's job. God is the one who pursues us. He's the one who comes after us. And, and here in the psalm, he says, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Remember at the beginning of the psalm, he's talking about our thoughts, that you already know my thoughts. Even before I, I think them, even before I speak them, you know what's going to be there. And he's saying, I, I want you to try my thoughts. Once you know them, I want you to try them. And I, and I want you to see if there's any grievous way in me, any painful way, any way that leads to pain. And lead me in the way everlasting. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to lead me. I want you to take that time. You already know everything about me. I want you to continue to search. I want you to continue to pursue. And it's a prayer to our God. And I think this is a prayer we need to pray. We need to pray David's prayer back to God. God, you search me and know my heart. You pursue me. Father, you understand me. You live life with me. 
and I don't want to live in the painful way. I make a lot of bad decisions. I want you to help me with that. I want you to notice when I make a grievous decision and lead me in the righteous way, in the way that is right, in the way that is true, in a way that encourages me. And so we want God to pursue. We want God to know. Let's ask him to continue to do so. Then he goes on and says in verse 5, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Now that sounds like a negative. In fact, when I first looked at the word, looked up the word hem, uh, H-E-M, it carries the idea of circling a city in order to attack it. And I was thinking, wow, is that the picture here? And I don't think so because he says in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. So what he's saying about hemming in is actually a positive not a negative. And so I, I continue to look in some uh, Hebrew dictionaries and one of them came, uh, gave the image of tucking someone in. And I was going, oh, wow. I think that's more the image that you hem in, that you tuck them in because of love, that you tuck them in to protect them from the cold. You, you do that with your children whenever they fall asleep and you go and you, you tuck them in. And we do that out of love. And, and so there's this idea of hemming me in and, and, I, and I thought how I do that with, my, with, our, with our pets, how I've done that with my, my dog Chip since the beginning. Uh, my dog Chip, I have a picture of him as a little puppy and it's something that I've seen uh, in my mind's eye over and over. This picture of him inside, hemmed in in the fence because I didn't want him to get out. When we first got him, one of the things he did early on as a, as a young pup is he it was dark and he just took off across the street after a rabbit or something. And I mean, he just shot out like a, and I thought, wow, he didn't even look. He, I mean, a car coming would have just flattened him. And I, I thought I've got to hem him in. I want to protect him. And so the picture that David gives is you hem me in. You, you protect me. You encircle me for your, with your protection. You tuck me in. You love me with a deep love of protection and love. And so I was thinking, wow, what a, what a beautiful picture that is. When we look at the beginning of this psalm and he says, uh, you've searched me, you pursued me, you, you walk with light in life with me, you've searched out my path and all my ways, and I'm sure there was a lot of ugliness in there and a lot of ugliness in the words that you knew I was getting ready to speak, and yet still you protect me, you hem me in, you tuck me in because you know that who I am, you know what I'm made of. And so you would think that after saying all of that, he'd say, and I really don't want much to do with you. But that's not what he says. He goes on in the psalm and he says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? And this picture of running away from God, trying to hide from him. And yet God's, God goes on and says what he's going to do for us. He says, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. Now, he's speaking in hyperbole. He can't go to heaven, right? Well, we can go into the heavens, the, at least in space, astronauts, but in their day, they couldn't even do that. He said, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there, or, or the NIV says, in the depths, you are there, and the depths would be a submarine. We can do that today. If I take the wings of the morning, which we can do in airplanes now, or dwell in the remotest part of the sea, or in NIV says on the far side of the sea, our missionaries, 
It says, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. And I thought how God wants to search us and know us. He pursues us and he knows us. He lives life with us. And he wants to, this is my second point, he wants to be everywhere with us. Even though he knows all my ugliness, still he wants to be with me. Even though he knows whatever I'm made of, he still wants to be with me. He, he still wants to be alongside of us. He doesn't want us to just flee from him. And why would we flee? Why would we run? I think it's because of what he says in verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. There are times in our lives where the darkness of our lives comes on us like a flood and it seems to overwhelm us. It seems to cover us with darkness. If you've ever been in a place where it's really truly dark and I mean the, the stars aren't out and, and there's no city lights. If you've been on a mission trip, you've been on some of that. If you've been out camping, you've been around some places like that where it's just dark and you see nothing and it's a little bit spooky and, and you feel this darkness just covering you and overwhelming you to a certain extent. And you feel some of your fears rising and you try to press them down. There are times in our lives where those things happen. I'm going to be doing a funeral next week of a dear friend who, who passed this last week, 53 years old. And as I was talking to his wife, she had a, a very amazing, peaceful attitude. But I'm sure there, there are moments where this applies. Surely the darkness shall cover me. And I shared this verse with her. I shared the, the verse before, verse 10. Even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say surely the darkness will cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light to you. And I was thinking, wow, God in his presence, he is here with us. And even when we're in the darkness, it's not dark to him. And his presence is what gives me encouragement and comfort and hope. Because you see, I know that on Mother's Day, there's some, some very positive things. There's some very neat things. But as, as Heather shared in her testimony, her mom's been gone for 24 years. And I think some, for, some of, for some, Mother's Day is kind of a bittersweet time because you remember your mom, but, but, but she's also no longer there. I lost my mom four years ago. And, and Mother's Day has kind of a bittersweet moment to it there's there's the preciousness of the memories but there's the struggle as well and so we look at this and we look at this psalm and and the psalm uh, David says and tells us what God is like and what God is like is he is a God who pursues us he's a God who who knows us and walks with us he's a God who hymns us in and and protects us and and loves on us and tucking us in He's, he's a God who is with us always. And, and even when we feel like running away, he's still there wherever we're running. And he, he takes the darkness and he, and he brings hope in the midst of it. We have an incredible God who loves us incredibly. And he's loved us even before we were born. And in fact, in Psalm 139, he goes on and says, For you have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are all your works. My soul knows it very well. And I was thinking that phrase, my soul knows it very well. Do we? Do we know it very well? Or do we struggle with that? David apparently knew it very well. What did he know very well? Well, that God was the one who created and he created us in all his beauty. And as the statement is, God don't make no junk. And God makes beautiful these, the, the people of his creation that, and, and I put this above this, this phrase, I am your beautiful creation. I am your beautiful creation. I want you to tell yourself that. I am his beautiful creation. Right now, just tell God that. I am your beautiful creation. Because he says, I am fearfully, and I was always wondering, what does fearfully made mean? And I, and I saw one statement, awesome. I am awesomely made. I am amazingly made. It's, it's wonderfully made. Do you picture yourself, is that the image that's when you, in your head, in your thoughts, are you thinking, I'm wonderful? Wonderfully made by God? Or are you thinking, if you really knew me? You see, Scripture tells us, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. And so God's thought about me, wonderful, amazing. And in fact, the very second time he says wonderful, he says it in the plural. And you think, wait a minute, he just said it in the singular in the verse before, verse 14. And then at the end of verse 14, he says, wonderful are your works, but he says it in the plural. Why does he say it in the plural? He says it because he wants to emphasize it. He can't say it strong enough in the singular. And so he says, you are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. He, he's emphasizing it. He's pluralizing it. And it means you're exceedingly wonderful. You're extraordinary. Now, I want you to ask you a question. God says extraordinary. What do you say about yourself? Is it the same as God's thought or is it different? If it's different, then we need to get our thoughts lined up with God's thoughts. And whatever you're thinking inside about yourself, that's not extraordinary, is not true. It's a false thing to believe. It's a fake you. The real you is, I am a beautiful creation of God. I want you to say that to yourself. I'm a beautiful creation of God. I am wonderfully made. I am fearfully made, awesomely made. Awe of God kind of picture there. That I am extraordinary, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. That's God's thoughts of you. And you think that when God is thinking of you, it's just judgment. Oh God, you know, my, my poor child, why are you doing this? Or why did you get involved in that? Or why are you making this decision or that decision? And all the different things that we think about ourselves. But God knows us. Maybe everybody around us doesn't know the, the secret things in our heart that we know. But God knows them all. And he still says, you're my beautiful creation. You are wonderful. You are precious to me. And I want to be around you and I want to keep pursuing you. That's what God's saying in this psalm. And it's beautiful. It's a wonderful picture of God's love for us. He says, my frame was not hidden from you, verse 15. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance I mean, even before we began to really take shape, as we began to take shape, even when we were just a couple of cells and, and just a little blob, if you were, before there's any, God knows that. He saw that. He's seen us in every facet of our lives, and he loves us. 
He says, in your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was not one of them. He knows how long I'm going to live. He knows how long I'm going to be around. He knows how long that, that my life is going to last and he's, I'm going to be with him now and then I'll be gone. And, and we, we worry about such things, but God looks at eternity. He's looking from an eternal lens. All his decisions are being made in light of eternity. And this life is just a, a preparing ground of our hearts. It's just a, a place that, that the opportunity that we have to freely respond to God's love. To respond to his reaching out, to his pursuing, which ultimately is found in Jesus. Because not only did he pursue us, and does he always pursue us, for God so loved the world, but he gave his only begotten son. He gifted us Jesus, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He wants us to know him back. He wants us to respond back to him. And he gives us the opportunity to respond without being forced to do so. He doesn't force us to respond. He offers himself. This is the God who loves us. If we understood how much he loved us, how much he cared for us and how much the fact that Jesus Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8, but God proves his love for us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So even in our ugliest state, even in our most rebellious state, even in our state where we're pushing him aside, he pursues us. My own testimony is a testimony of that. I was not seeking after God. When I graduated from high school, I was running as far and as fast away from him as, as I possibly could. I had all these ideas of what I was going to do the ne that first year in college in my life. And I did none of them. And I praise God I did none of them because he grabbed a hold of my heart in a way that I look back and go, I was not pursuing him and he grabbed me. And I put my faith in him. And it completely transformed me because I understood something that I didn't understand even uh, uh, in, in the first part of my life. And that was the Christian life is not about me pursuing God. It's about God pursuing me, about God pursuing us. And we simply respond to him. So I want to encourage, if you've never taken that step, respond to him now. Put your faith in Jesus because this is the God who loves you so deeply that he pursues you, that he, that he wants to walk in life with you and he wants to do it always and in every place that, that, he, that you can be. And he's been with you from the very womb as you were being created. He was there and you are his beautiful creation you were wonderfully made, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And he simply wants us to respond. David, in his psalm here, he begins to speak pretty harsh things, actually, in verses 19 through 22, where he says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, uh, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. He's, he's trying to protect God. And, and what we find, in, and, and you can read that imprecatory part, in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jesus says to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. And so that is a change from what David is praying here. God has asked us to love those, even those who despise his name. So what is his prayer? Even David comes back to, okay, you're, you're the one who pursues. You're the one who knows. Keep doing it. Keep it up. Keep pursuing me. Keep walking through life with me, knowing and seeing everything that I am. Because you pursue us. You want to be with us always. We are your beautiful creation. And so we ask, keep it up. Keep pursuing. I want to know you. I want to be known. I want to be known by you. Paul talks about this and, 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 and talks about his, his, his wanting to be known and, 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 and knowing. And I just think, wow, that's what God has for us. He loves you. He loves you deeper than you could ever love yourself. He knows you more than you could ever know. And he still loves you because you are precious in his sight. Father, we come to you this morning and we look to you. Father, this morning we, we focus on the God of the universe who, who loves us with a deep love. Who cares about us in a way that we could never even comprehend. There are things that we don't even like about ourselves, Lord, and, and you still love us. Father, we don't even love ourselves very well sometimes. We say bad things about ourselves in our self-talk. We, we say things that are ugly about ourselves, and yet that's not what you're saying about us. We're saying loser, and you're saying you're beautiful in my sight. I've created you for a purpose. We're saying ugly, and you're saying awesome. Fearfully and wonderfully, wonderful, wonderful, wonderfully made. Lord, I pray that we would, our thoughts of us would line up with your thoughts of us. Because it's hard for us, Father, to even receive your thoughts when we're thinking these other thoughts. When we're deflecting your thoughts by our own thoughts. Lord, help us to stop doing that. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to pursue us. And I pray that you would help us to have our thoughts line up with your thoughts about who we are. Lord, I pray that we would listen to those loved ones around us who says, way to go, mom. We love you, mom. We care about you, mom. You're precious to us. Lord, I pray that the moms in our church family would receive those messages and not push them away in our heart, in the deep recesses of their heart. That they would enjoy and receive the special praises from their families that they deserve because they, they deserve to be honored. Lord, we thank you so much for the moms you've given us. Perfect or imperfect, a lot of imperfection, but Lord, you gave them to us for a reason and Lord, I thank you for that. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name, amen.